Professor Ace Intensive. Hi, Ace, how you doing? <laughs> it's been a couple weeks. I haven't seen you in a little bit. I know. It's uh, been around. Yeah. Been have around. you? Well, yeah. I mean, I've seen you at Gore Club, but I haven't seen yeah. you on the other side of the microphone. I know. It's been a little bit. Yeah. Death Metal Dave and I did the October episode, which was fun. He's never been on the Gore Club podcast with benefits before, so that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. He's a funny guy. He's a good guy. He's not here tonight. He's got a weird haircut tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Dave. You, you couldn't make it, so we, we substituted you. So, uh, but anyways, uh, welcome to the Gore Club Podcast. I'm Steve Essel. I'm Ace. And tonight we have a special guest, and her name is... Katie Glidewell, a.k.a. The Blonde in Front. Thank you for coming on the podcast tonight. Thank you guys for having me. So let's talk to, let's tell people who you are, what you do, and what you do with your spare time, if you have any. You don't have to do the last part. (laughs) This is not the dating game. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I like long walks on the beach and, you know, eating soup and talking and not talking. Um, no, I uh, am a blogger and film critic based in Chicago. I also go to film festivals and genre conventions. And basically, you know, I try everything and tell everybody about it. I review films. I um, review, go to events. I... Uh, you know, post videos and pics of everything that I do um, to encourage people to, you know, go out there, see these things, don't see these things, and uh, live your life and make sure to um, try everything because, you know, we never know what's going to be out there. I just, just I'm just spitballing that. I mean, I my, one of my mottos is, you know, try everything. I actually got that from the movie Zootopia. Uh, sad. I don't know if that's sad or not, but I was watching that with a bunch of kids, and it's like try everything. I'm like, that's it, that's it, that's what I'm gonna do, and I've been doing it. So yeah, um, you can find me on all the interweb um, social media sites: uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. I am not a Twitter person. I've never been a twat. So uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> um, thanks. Uh, thanks guys. You good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you can find all my stuff on the blonde in front and that's an E at the end. And I do have blonde hair. Yeah. That's how I, I spelt it to Corey when we were putting in your emails, like blonde with an E. He's not a savage. <laughs> She's not a savage. Let's not be savage here. Uh, but yeah, what I like about what you what you do is you're like, go to the motherfucking theater, like come yeah. to the movie theater. Let's save this. Stop. I mean, yeah, sitting at home is great. It's fun. Yeah. You sit in. I don't think you get this. You get the. You're not immersed in the film, even if you've got like ten people with you. You don't get to go pause the movie and go to the restroom. Like we're talking about horror movies, especially like people. Oh, that wasn't scary. It was like, man, yeah. You just took five bathroom breaks and you're high, which yeah. is cool, anyways. But you can do that in theater. But yeah. I'm just saying. And then you're staring at your phone the whole time. Yeah, and you're staring at your <laughs> phone the whole time. Some, you know, it's just like that's not. Go to the movie theater. I love the theater. Yes. Um, I am not a religious person, but the theater is my church. This is my sanctuary. This is where you get completely immersed. And it's that, uh, it's that experience with fellow people there that, I mean, the jump scare, like sometimes I, like, I remember seeing The Conjuring for the first time. I don't know if I would have thought it was as scary as it was if it had not been because of that crowd. Like, 
they actually made some of the jumps that I'm like, I knew this was coming. Why did I jump? Why, why did I do that? And it was because of the audience. And that's one of those immersive experience. You know, it's just something, it's a group. It's just, I'm always a tactile person. And it's like being there, seeing it, um, tasting that popcorn, like hearing those big, and like, you know, the group gasp, the group's like, ah, you know, all that stuff. Like that is my drug. Like that's a huge adrenaline rush for me. And it's just nothing like it. Like I was actually one of my favorite experiences, possibly out of my life. Uh, Music Box Theater had the 40th anniversary of Friday the 13th part three in 3D with 3D glasses. That was absolutely amazing. Like I was reaching out through the screen. I thought it was coming at me. I didn't realize that no one wiped in 1982 so much. I've seen that movie I don't know how many times, and it's just a little details, like why are people going to the bathroom and you know they're doing number two, and then they just get up and like, hold on, these are little things, but ew, 1982, what was wrong with you? Why did you do these things? But, but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Toilet paper. Well, honestly, watch the film and you will, you will make, like really watch it and you're gonna be amazed, like how many times people are taking a crap and just do not wipe their butt at all. Like it's just gross. And it's just amazing how there's so like it was an 800 person theater and all of us in unison are like, ew, oh. why were you doing? <laughs> like you heard you plop and then you just put on your pants. Like, come on. Like <laughs> No. So the whole but audience it's just is funny. I mean, those are the experiences that I love. And you're right. It's I my number one thing is always to go to a theater. Uh so yeah, that's what you'll always see me doing. And I'm front. Um, I love it. It's just right in the middle, usually in front. You don't hear anybody talking, and it's just me and the screen. It's like a giant um, living room where I just eat popcorn that I have to buy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fucking awesome. I'm, I'm usually the dick in back. Take that how you want. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. Because sound travels down, and now I'm just like, there's nobody behind me. If somebody's going to break into a fight, I'm like, oh, that looks cool. It's you know, but I like watching the whole audience now, and it's a little bit harder now that most theaters have like barriers, which is kind of nice because it's almost like a sound barrier. Yeah. But watching everybody and they're all like, oh, <laughs> like those moments are fantastic, and you can't you can't get that at home. Yeah, there's definitely there's been there's been two movies that I saw when they first came out that I haven't even cared about since then, but I saw Signs and The Ring, the American Ring version. I saw both of those in the theater, and I haven't even watched them since then. Or I, was, I watched them once a piece, and they just weren't as good because when I was in the theater, when the girl crawls out of the TV in the ring, like the entire theater was like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, and then the same thing in signs when like the kid's up against the wall. And you see, like, the big alien hand come across him. Like, the whole theater was just like, Aah. Yeah. And like, it was, like, going crazy. And it made that so cool at the moment when I was watching it. And then I remember watching it later on. I was like, uh, this just isn't as good. <laughs> it's when true. Everybody well, was freaking out. Like, in the country, in the hand clap scene, you're just fucking like, oh, shit, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. Uh, well, and it's just, it's that group experience that, I mean, it's a joyful group experience that you have. That it's like this experience with strangers that it's like, Hey, we saw that. It's like, yeah, okay, I'm never going to see you again. Bye. Um, by the way, Steve, if you haven't trademarked that, 
Uh, I love, I would love to do a show with the blonde in front and the dick in the back. Uh, I may have to uh, LLC that because yeah. I mean, that, that's, that was great. Oh, totally. <laughs> I mean, I keep hearing, believe me, I've heard a lot like the bald in back, the brunette in back, you know, every, ever since it became the blonde in front, it's like, eh, blah, 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 and back. But you know, the dick in back is really funny. That's fucking great. And that, there's always, not, not me, there's always that one guy in the back going, pussies! <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're all scared, and he's just like, fuck y'all! <laughs> and I'm like, man, he's usually right next to me now because I'm in the back, but yeah, it's fucking, yeah. I, I, I love me. I, I used to have, like, to try to sit in this sweet spot. In the middle, in the center. And get I'm that. always in the middle, yeah. Yeah, and I, I get that. And as a child, and as, like, I used to sit right up front. No offense. And then now I'm all the way in the back. I'm the dick in the back. I'm the moron <laughs> in the middle. I think I started that with the Lord of the Rings uh, trilogy, the first one. Because, you know, back the theater was just massive. And I was like, fuck all these people. Let's go all the way to the top where nobody's sitting. And uh, ever since then, that's where I've been. The dick in the back. There you go. <laughs> dick in the back. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> fuck the dick in a box. So we we wanted you to come on the show tonight, and we uh, on we talk. Uh, we're very open about everything that we talk about, and we always say the same thing. It's always like three dudes with dicks, a bunch of fucking straight dudes talking about things that we like and we we admire. But when it comes to something like tonight's um, uh, uh, topic, we really needed another fucking opinion from that side that we're not going to fucking understand, which is women in horror. And thank you for coming on and telling us that we're fucking assholes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just start with, like, I mean, where, uh, where, do, where should we start with this? How about you dictate what you think? Where did you, where, when was the first time you watched a horror film and you were like, that chick fucking rules? Let's just start there and then we'll just jump around to wherever the fuck else we want to go. Well, one of my earliest memories would be uh, Jenny from friday the 13th part two like she yeah. is there i mean it's what it, like i'm wearing a shirt right now that says final girl and it's one of those topics that you know what qualifies as a final girl there is the final girl who is the survivor you know they uh the killer has come after them and they've been able to survive and then there's this, there's the final girl who fights back and i think that's you know there's a big difference all i mean you know whatever whatever each whatever the difference is with each one i mean hey sisters you guys lived you you guys are the ones telling the tale so believe me i'm not knocking either one of you but uh yeah the first one that really comes to mind is jenny from uh friday 13th part two and Recently, I mean, last year, it had its 40th anniversary, and re-watching that for, you know, the 18th jillion time, um, when you, I'm really, really watching these films that, you know, I grew up with, who knows, maybe I just saw them too much on television, and a number of the stuff, a number of the clips were, like, taken out, and I'm now seeing these films, like, in their entirety as an adult, but it amazed me when there's a scene where she's at the bar, with her boyfriend and another counselor and she's profiling Jason Voorhees. Like this is in 1981 and she's yeah. profiling a killer. No one knew what a profiler was. This wasn't a common term. And yeah, it's serial like, killers like, hadn't been invented yet. 
And, uh, you know, I mean, she got in his head. She, you know, realized, like, how to get out of the situation. She finds her friends dead. She keeps her calm. She's, you know, saves her boyfriend. Or does she? I don't know. We really don't know what happens to Steve, I feel like. Or not Steve. I forget what his name is. I think it's Steve, maybe. I don't know. There's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys. They're very <laughs> they're they're very expendable. I really don't remember the boyfriends. They're not the important part. They're in not. Any case. Yeah, they're not at all. Uh, yeah, I mean, she loves to tell the tale. And I mean, unfortunately, we don't see her anytime after that, which um I would love to like, why don't if they keep talking about fan films, like, why don't they have a Jenny fan film? Like, I mean, she survived. She's alive. I don't think she's a loon like the um, survivor in three. So it's like, yeah, why don't you give her her own film? Like, come on, people. Yeah, there was a one. There was an article I read that has the basis of like the uh, where the name Final Girl comes from, which was by Carol Clover called Her Body Himself, Gender in the Slasher Film, which was written in the 80s. So that put some context on there because a lot of it's kind of like, uh, you know, at, at at the time, the slasher movies were kind of looked down upon, and uh, but the, talking about her in part two, uh, it brings up how where she gets in the mind of Jason, and she's using like you know going, he's like basically a child, and she's using the thing like I'm your mother, I'm gonna like put the sweater on, and that's how he connects with her, and she does a comparison with that of uh, Sally in Texas Chainsaw Massacre where she's in kind of the same situation where there's a bunch of crazy people. They're all sitting at the table together, and she's like, God, let me, you know, I'll do anything, you know, and she kind of likens that to her saying, like, like anything, like sexual favor. And But what she doesn't understand is these people are also, like, all the villains in these movies are, like, the men are basically just children with weird sexual hang-ups, and she's speaking to them like they're going to understand that, when in reality she's saying, I'll do anything, and they don't even understand that part of it. Yeah, I think that's a, that's you know that's a really good way, especially for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Friday the Thirteenth. Both of those, like that family and Jason Voorhees, don't give a fuck about sex. Yeah, no. they're not like in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Bubba and the clan, they're not they're not trying to strap her to a chair and undress her. They just want to hit her in the head and eat her. Yeah, but now like we want to eat her. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. There's a there's a big difference. So yeah, of course you know we're we're like oh, oh, oh it's funny jokes and bullshit. Yeah. But that's not where she's going with that. That's not she's thinking at that point. And that the horrifying part of that is like what women would have to feel every fucking day. And then she's literally being strapped down and she's got nowhere to go. Jenny yeah. is one of the first horror films, I, the film Final Girls that I could think of that really, like you said, not only came back. And to win the day, but she was thinking about it before anything actually even there was even a reason to think about it. Mm-hmm. So that was badass. So I don't know. I think the, my first, uh, my first, ex, um, I don't know, ex, exposure to a strong female. Everyone wants to say Halloween. To me, that really wasn't the first strong one. Mine was actually Terror Train. It was one of the first horror films I'd ever seen, and it was the first time I'd seen Jamie Lee Curtis. And so I, I didn't have any context. I was just like, this fucking, this, she's fucking a badass, especially yeah. at the end. I mean, she, I didn't understand. Uh, I had no one there to tell me, like, well, this is, a, this is, there's a whole, like, version of slasher films that you don't understand about. Like, my family wasn't there to tell me, uh, uh, to instruct me, be like, well, this is just how it goes. You're, you know she's going to win. I had no fucking clue <laughs> if Jamie Lee Curtis was going to make it off that train. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I think for me, it was probably... Uh, Shelley Duvall in The Shining. <laughs> I got right. I got that movie 
when I was like a freshman in high school and just watched it over and over and over again and just, you know, seeing her beat Jack Torrance over the head coming up the stairs and him falling down and locking him in the <laughs> in the freezer, you know, it's like I you know, I probably couldn't have done that. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. And her character is so important because she's not like the one that just stands up and has to and, and just takes over because she she has to take over because yeah. she's thinking about her son like when she's walking up those back up those stairs in my mind as even as a child i was thinking she's thinking about her fucking son yeah she doesn't give a shit about her she's like if i can't stop this fucking psychopath my child's fucked yeah so that extra layer of terror maybe it was because i had you know my sister and my family in, in the room when i'm watching that movie and I was like, God damn, you know, if 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 he kills her or knocks her out, yeah. she not only is she dead, her son is fucked because that's the one they really want. Plus, in the, I guess you would have to thank uh, Stanley Kubrick's horrible treatment of her in the movie for that performance. Uh, old old Hollywood directors, yeah. man, what the fuck? What the fuck? Uh, yeah, it's the whole like you know, let's suffer for the art to really show that it's like oh, or or it's called acting. It's just called acting. Like, maybe do that so you don't have people have psychological breakdowns. And re I actually re-watched The Shining recently because uh, I went to a Stephen King-like film festival. And watching The Shining and really seeing, uh, you know, Shelley Duvall's character, I realized it's like, Jack was so lazy. And what a chump that he didn't even last a month before he lost it. And I mean, she's she's taking care of the boiler. She's making sure everything is running. It's like, she's the one who's, um, who's the boss here. It's like, oh, I've got a right. It's like, dude, it isn't even a month. Like, you got there in November. You didn't even make it to Christmas. Like, give me a break. Like, you are weak. <laughs> you are weak. You are weak. Like, she's barely, like, 110 pounds soaking wet. You can't even handle it with the snow. It's like, welcome to Chicago on any week uh, during winter. You're, you're chump. You're chump, Jack. i uh, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yeah, and it, it shows her in the movie. She's she's making all the meals. She's checking all the boilers. Yeah. She's like, she's. I mean, who the fuck is dust in this place? Yeah. <laughs> she's watching TV with no cord. I'd be honest. If you put, if you put me in that kitchen and like just show me like, <laughs> he shows her like the, all the food back there, and it's all in like the biggest canes you've ever seen. It's yeah. like here's an industrial kitchen, make food for three people. Right? It's like, ah, I'll just you get a microwave because I'm not gonna be able to do any of this. No shit. Well, it shows her that big fucking can of peaches, <laughs> can of peaches and she's yeah. just like, well, <laughs> it's like slow motion. <laughs> yeah, here's a gallon of peaches that'll last you for a week. Like, no maybe, shit. You know, maybe that's why he lost it because it's like he's had peaches for a week straight. It's like yeah. that's it. But yeah, I mean, it totally made me. Um, it totally yeah, made me just... relook at Wendy and like, damn girl, respects. Look at you. Like, I mean, this is a big place. But then also watching her talking to the social worker and it's like, yeah, you know, he just ripped my son's arm out of the socket, and uh, you know, accidents happen. The ash is just like hanging off and stuff. It's like, yeah, you know, Jack just kind of, you know, something you do with kids all the time. He just yanked his arm and it came out of the socket. <laughs> and the social worker just looks at her. It's like, bitch, are you crazy? What are you talking No, that doesn't happen all the time. Like, what? It's like, yeah, so nope. He hasn't had a drink since. It's like, okay. <laughs> something good did come out of it. Like, well, you left him? No. Yeah. No, no. And you know, Stanley Kubrick's such a psychopath making that. He probably, like, filmed that and was like, 
the cigarette ash has to be exactly two inches long, and it's supposed to represent <laughs> her fading sanity in the movie. And it's like oh, it's like everything in that movie is always something like it has a specific point that yeah. it's in the movie for. They overdo <laughs> it on a lot of those documentaries, yeah. talking about all the significance to every fu- – like the pen flow on Allman's desk. I'm like, yeah. shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Some of those documentaries are great to watch, but it also shines a light on old school directors, how they treated people, and you hear about it all the time, like Sh- Sam Peckaball doing awful things, fucking uh, Ridley Scott, um, the, uh, William Friedkin, like shooting off fucking <laughs> guns. Gun. Like, <laughs> dude, okay, that's cool, but you got a fucking 13-year-old in heavy makeup getting blasted with fucking Jesus, and then you're going to be like, bam, 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 yeah. got to keep the mood going. Like, fuck you, man. Yeah. Like, uh, I want to throw a cell phone at you, like fucking Christian Bale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then they wonder why, like, people go like like loser shit on the sets. And, and this is the last thing I'll th- I'll, I'll say about the Shining. And, and and when people talk about the sanity of the people on that thing, and they always say, "Oh, they applaud Jack Nicholson." It's like Stanley Kubrick didn't do less than a hundred takes per fucking scene. Scatman Crothers is an interview with him just crying. And he's just like, I'm just so happy to be here. He's like, you're lucky to be alive, dude. You haven't eaten in fucking 24 hours. And you've got three scenes. (laughs) (laughs) But I I love that film. I found, I I did find a great article um, from Alyssa Miller that I wanted to quote. And it's, Fantastic. It's uh, I'm only going to read the first paragraph, but she wrote uh, an article, and it's called, um, what the fuck is it called? I can't remember what it's called actually right now, but it's called, uh, it goes like this. Horror has never been shy about discussing sexuality, body, and gender, and women happen to love that a lot. Since the dawn of cinema, women have often been looked at as symbols rather than complex characters. Female characters have existed to serve the development of the main character, typically, typically a male through the lens of the manic pixel dream girl, the advice-giving best friend, the trophy for the hero, the damsel in distress, oh no, and the many other played-out one-dimensional characters. However, there is one genre that women are usually at the forefront, and that's horror. Horror deals with the questions of sexuality, the body, gender, more, okay, and, and than any other genre. Perhaps watching women-led movies that, that dealt with subjects like these is why women love horror. Although the genre has films that might have been misogynistic with undertones, with un- misogynistic undertones, or view its female side characters as one-dimensional, the leading woman has always made waves through the cinema with her complexity and desire to survive. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I applaud that kind of shit. Well, no, and um, spot on, because that's one of the reasons why I love horror so much. It's like, it's one of the only genres where... You can inqu- you can really talk about uh, awkward, strained conversations and topics that horror just lets you do that. Like sexuality, incest, um, murder, war, every every single topic that you can think of, religion, horror can do that in such an open way because you think like, oh, this is for shock value or this is for this, or you're actually having a true conversation regarding what's going on. Because, I mean, one of the things about horror that, you know, and I know a number of directors I've talked to, um, we always talk about, one of the things is that sometimes you don't have to show what is going on. It's like you can um, let the audience's brain, let that, um, let that you know, little hamster wheel going on, and that's going to be much worse than anything you could actually show on the screen. Because let... Um, let an audience let an audience like think what could be the worst possible thing that could be happening to that person with like 
with like the sounds going on or the music and that's going to be far worse than um any sometimes any monster that um people can come up with yeah uh, uh david fincher had to edit the reactions in fight club to when uh, uh jared leto was getting beat up because the reactions of the people in the room was more graphic than what he was showing when he was getting beat up by Tyler Durden. Oh, yeah. Because they were just like, you got to edit these these other dudes who are just like manly macho bullshit, and they're going, oh, God, and the slaps and shit. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that right there makes your wheels. You're just like, oh, my God, you're not even really seeing him lose his teeth. You see the aftermath. Yeah. But it's the reaction of these fucking macho assholes who are just like, holy shit, dude, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, sometimes, it's, you know, with Stephen King approach, like sometimes less is more. Yeah. I think that's a, that's one thing people always bring up about Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the original people are like, oh, it's so bloody and gory and everything. But like honestly, when you watch it, a lot of it's off screen. Um, yeah, there's like I six mean, ounces of blood. Yeah, it's not like, <laughs> yeah. but it's all like you just think like that he's hanging around the hook, but you're seeing it from a different perspective. It's not like you don't see it like you know her expression her is expression. enough to make my fucking asshole go oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's. That's what then I like that, and that's why it takes the chainsaw maskers better. Whereas, like in comparison to like uh, the Art the Clown move, the terrorizer, terrorizer terrifier, terrifier, terrorizer, where it's literally terrifier. like we're just gonna saw somebody in half and show the entire thing. You like it? And there, I'm like, well, I do, but I, don't, I didn't like. I'm just like <laughs> some, that's enough. Less is more sometimes. Sometimes you don't have to show somebody getting cut in half. Takes a chainsaw massacre, dude. It's an American classic, and it just shows it from the perspective. Perspective, perspective yeah. And her face. Yeah, that's true. That's, you know. What? Well, okay, I have a question for you. What is the one horror film that you watched and you were like, "This is fucking awful." Like, as far as how the women were treated, or the woman was treated, or just the writing itself. Like, you were just like, "Hmm." Or if, or do you even care about that? Like, has that ever ha actually happened to you? I like it that you're thinking. Uh, no, it has. I'm actually trying to think of what. God, I feel like there was one. Oh, you know what? Honestly, there's one this year called Requin, that's about a shark uh, with Alicia Silverstone. It it's, I don't know. It I it just it's not the bet it. Honestly, it's my number one worst movie of the year right now. Um, <laughs> it's just, I thought the acting was bad. I thought a lot of the story was bad. And I'm trying to think what. See, talk about the worst. I usually, it's like well, I watch it The worst it when it comes to depicting women. The worst when it comes to depicting women on film. Uh, how they're either treated or how they're written or, you know. God. There's so many or not enough. Well, no, I mean, I, I actually haven't thought about the worst in a while. Cause I've just seen so many, like right now, like, especially even this year, there's just been so many characters that have been in movies about, especially in horror regarding horror that have been just absolutely amazing that it honestly, I'm it's, uh, I'm gonna have to get back to you on that one. It's that's a hard one. <laughs> well, we can go the opposite then. Like we both watched barbarian. I'm sure you've seen that. Yes. Um, you watch X, Pearl, I mean, Nope has fantastic female characters. Uh, I mean, there's a lot. So what is your favorite of this year when it comes to a female-driven film? Fresh. Fresh, wow. I have not seen that. I haven't seen that either. Ding, put that on my yeah. list. Check it out. It is on Hulu. It's directed by Mimi Cave. I love it. It has um, an 
awesome lead character. It has an awesome, uh, you know, female support system. Uh, it's uh, it's one of my top three films in horror this year, and I would definitely say it's going to be one of my top ten of the year. Uh, but yeah, it's on Hulu. It's incredible. Uh, um, Daisy Edgar Jones is the lead character, and then Sebastian Stan is um, the love interest slash antagonist. And that's all I'll say, since you guys haven't seen it. But you need to see it, because it's amazing. What were we saying, Ace? I think my wife did watch that movie, and I didn't watch it with her. So maybe I need to go back and watch it. Fucking dude. <laughs> of course probably you like, didn't. That was a really good movie. And I was like, nah, what do you know? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Got to listen to my wife. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. I've learned that a long time ago. But see, I was I was raised by women, and I have daughters, so that definitely helped. Because they were just like, shut the fuck up, Dad. <laughs> or get to your room, you're an idiot. You know, yeah. I, that really helped me. Like My mom's, the, the first book I ever read was Cujo. And that's a very like high sexual, violent fucking nightmare book. Yeah, with a really strong female character. Now yeah. I don't know if she did that on purpose, but now that I've, now as I've grown up and how she kind of like reared me, definitely was on purpose. Yeah, it's like me when I showed my kids Buffy. Yeah. And I was like, look, you can't watch horror movies yet, but let's watch fucking Buffy. Like, yeah, sure, Joss Whedon is a piece of shit, and now, but those that that show and that TV sh- that movie were just like they fucking ate it up, and now I was so happy with that. Yeah. We, uh, back when COVID kind of had everything shut down, me and my wife, I had the idea, I was like, we should watch the AFI top 100 movies of all time. So we started going through the list, starting at like 100 and going up, and we started getting like about 10 in. She was like, God, like, is there any women in these movies? Because there's like, every movie on there is like, you know, like Goodfellas and like <laughs> just no gangster movies. Shit. I like, and I was like, sucking Martin Scorsese's yeah. ass. And I was like, yeah, you got a good point. Because she was like, all these movies are just like, man, man. And I was like, well, just wait, because Sophie's Choice is coming up, and you're just going to like lose it. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Uh, that <laughs> oh, my God. Sophie's Choice. Seriously. I mean, in, in such a way, that's a horror movie. Jesus. Yeah. That, <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. sit down and watch that and really watch. I mean, I remember watching that when I was probably far too young. And then watching it later when I get older and just seeing Meryl Streep's perform, it's like, woman, I mean, you earn that Oscar. That is what an Oscar performance is. And it's what I love how all these people when, um, you know, I mean, horror gets a bad name. There's so many women who have given outstanding performances in the past um, and even in the past five years that definitely deserve nominations. And um, if not the award, but I know there's also some this year that it's like, oh, that's an Oscar worthy performance. Like, look, I love Smile. I mean, I well, love is a strong word. I like Smile a lot. I think it's great. Uh, I think Sosie Bacon did a great job. I do not think that is an Oscar worthy performance. I think it's a, I think it's a great performance. But anyone who says it's an Oscar worthy performance, it's like. You know, that's great. Why don't you tell me the last five best actress or best supporting actress Oscar winners or even three of the nominees? And I'll uh, then I'll then I'll listen to you. But if you can't tell me that, it's like, look, you guys, good performances are great. Oscar worthy is the we don't need to make that dancing with the stars. Like, let's let's <laughs> simmer down now. Let's simmer down now with that. It's Oscar worthy is supposed to be what it is. The height, the height, the best of the best. Don't dancing with the stars with it. All right. I don't, I don't want to hear that. 
Yeah. I can't even think of the last time a horror movie was actually given like a nomination for female actor. I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about fucking Silence of the Lambs because that was yeah. a thriller yeah. to make it, uh, you know, palatable. I mean, I, well, I mean, uh, Daniel, well, at least for female, I, Daniel, uh, uh, and get out. Dan- I'm sorry. I'm. I don't. Yeah, I, you're he right. He was nominated you're for best actor. Right. Yeah. But yeah. that to me is the last. I mean, I think Tony Collette should have been nominated for Hereditary. Whatever people God say. God damn. Yeah. yeah. She was amazing I think, in that. I mean, I think Florence Pugh should have been nom- nominated for Midsummer. Like again, she was absolutely amazing. Uh, but. <sighs> It's going to be, it's just one of those things. Like if you guys have Shudder and you haven't seen Rebecca Hall in Resurrection, that is my number one performance of the year. The physicality, the emotional draining that, I mean, it's just a full, like every ounce of her in that performance is just like, I don't care what anybody else does. It's like, I know she probably won't get the Oscar, but damn it, she won it for me in April. Like, that is uh, the uh, best performance of 2022. I love that. Yeah, that was, we were watching Pearl the other night, and I was kind of like so-so about it until the very end. And I don't want to spoil it if anybody hadn't seen it, but like. That's a first. I know, I was like, it was so good, we I don't want to spoil everything. it. <laughs> but just, she uh, she does a monologue, Mia Goth does this long monologue, and then the credit scene at the end of that and just the way she, her face like emotes <laughs> towards the end of that. And I was just like, God, holy shit. Like this, like it, I was like, this movie's great. <laughs> like like the, the whole end of that just completely saved it for me. And I was like, damn, this movie's really good. And it stuck with me for like two days. I just kept thinking about yeah. it. There are so many fantastic performances. And I, I actually made a list of at least some of my favorite horror films that I think star women in a strong role, or either made made by women, but I, I'm going to start. My, one of my favorites is Hellraiser with Claire Higgins. That fucking movie, she rules, and the movie is really about her. Like she's actually the villain. Yeah, the Cenobites are her fucking sidekicks in a way. I yeah. mean, yeah, she's you know as far as like the 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 the, the feeling of the film. Like they're in the movie for like eight minutes. Yeah, she is the driving force of that movie. She's the main fucking you know villain. And she's vicious, and she goes from being sweet. She's never really, like, sweet, sweet, nice. She's always fake. It's yeah. always brimming on the surface. And then when she starts fucking killing dudes with a hammer, you're like, oh, yeah. shit. I mean, she's she a might, serial killer. She might be worse than the actual Cenobites, because they're just doing their job. They're like hell demons, you know? <laughs> but, like, gotta go to work. She's dragging <laughs> people up to the house, like just innocent men she picks up at bars to kill so she can resurrect this guy she had sex with. Who she was cheating on her husband? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But like, she's evil. Yeah, I mean that's just one of my favorites. Uh, I love fucking Hellraiser. Yeah, and then I went back and I rewatched all the ones before the the new one came out, and it's fucking great. I really liked it. Um, but I just remember like, holy fuck, Claire Higgins is just an ass kicker in that first film, and they kind of relegated her to the end. I mean, a smaller part in the second one, but she still has the most memorable scene to me in part two is when she's yeah. coming back to life through the bed. Oh yeah, I was like, "Fuck yeah, dude! It's amazing." Uh, what is your what's your what's your top female horror film, either directed by, written by, or even star like besides Friday the Thirteenth Part Two? <laughs> oh, let me see. Um, Don't say April Fool's Day because you're <laughs> same actress. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, There's so many good ones. 
I mean, there's so many good ones. I mean, uh, I mean, directed by American Psycho. Oh, yeah, I got that on, yeah. on my list. Uh, written and uh, directed by females. Yeah, written directed by female. Uh, Pet Cemetery is Amber. for the time. I mean, the original. It's those people are just so pretty. Uh, but to have that performance by that two-year-old, that just still blows me away. And to know that the older sister was twins, I'm like, really? Uh, <laughs> really? That that was a twin? You had a two-year-old who could freaking, who was just serving you kids, who's just serving you adults. Like, I mean, good for you, Milo Hughes, or whatever, Miko Hughes. Like, my God. But, um, yeah. That, I mean, the fact that she was able to direct that kid and still one of the scariest scenes ever. Uh, I don't know, female, I mean, anything that Adrian Barbeau is in uh, with horror, just, I mean, every single thing, big role, small role, anything just is fantastic. Carnival fucking rules. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's, I mean, Swamp Thing, Love. Yeah. uh, I mean, Escape from New York. What? Creep show. Get out of here. <laughs> and here's the fucking, okay, here's, here's what's fucked. Like, Mary Lambert made fucking uh, Pet Cemetery. It's a huge hit for the horror genre. Yeah. She couldn't get a job for two years. Yeah, she did yeah. a lot of music videos. And... Well, she did a feminist film yeah. with uh, the, uh, what's her, Kelly McGillis from Top Gun, but that was still two years later. Yeah. And then she had to do a fucking sequel to Pet Cemetery. And she's talked about on film about, like, yeah, great. Give me another fucking job, assholes. Yeah. Like, it, that's, it's bullshit. I found a good quote. Um, Slumber Party Massacre, uh, Amy Holden Jones directed that, um, which was also written by a woman, too, which is Rita. probably, yeah. Rita Mae Brown. Rita Mae Brown, which is like probably the movie you would think that is probably the grossest representation of like, because it's so exploitive and everything. But then you're like, oh, this is directed by a woman. Uh, she had a yeah. whole, whole, whole. Yeah. 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 She was a. She had a quote, and she was saying, uh, you know, Roger Corman's producer wanted that. You know, she, I did what he wanted me to do, and that's how it's done. You give the studio what they want. Nobody complains that Scorsese or Jonathan Demme and Ron Howard made exploitation pictures. But when a woman tries, she gets called a hypocrite and a turncoat. That's bullshit. And that was her. Yeah, you know, I never thought about that. Yeah, because like, people are telling her, like, oh, you sold out women making this movie. And she was like. Fuck you. It's, it's, <laughs> like, she I got think, a job doing one of the, the highest, as far as the hierarchy in film. She's like, I'm the king on this fuck. I'm the queen king, motherfuckers. Yeah. Like, and, and She yeah, made a movie that people still talk about to this day. To this day. Yeah. By the way, the remake is actually really good. Yeah. Yeah, the remake is very good. Well, and there's so many like uh, female directors now that I absolutely love. Like Emily Bennett, uh, who directed and starred in Alone With You. That's on Shutter. Uh, that was made during COVID. That is just a beautiful film. Like her partner as a cinematographer. And I mean, it is gorgeous, but the story is amazing. Her acting is incredible. Like she's one of my favorite directors, uh, Lisa Ovies, who did Puppet Keller. If you guys haven't seen that, hilarious. Uh, it's still doing festival work. Um, but it is, I mean, it's about this kid who's, you know, Puppet ends up uh, killing people, and then as he um, as he's in high school, he does a little trip with his friends. And the funny thing is, is that the high school version of him is uh, a forty year old man. And when his dad comes along, I think there's like a two year age difference with them. And it's like 
it's just hilarious. It's like making fun of those genres. Like when you have high schoolers playing, you know, being played by 20 somethings, but I will say this, I always made fun of that. And, um, recently watching the Chucky series and watching, <laughs> watching the kids make out, I was like, dude, this is gross. I, I feel, I feel icky watching this. Why, why do I feel, I'm like, Oh, because they're actually the age they should be. I'm like, you know what? Now I understand why you have 20-somethings playing teenagers because I don't want teenagers. I don't want to watch teenagers making out. That feels, ugh. I yeah, mean, yeah. it's just nasty. If you think, I'm like, ugh. That's like in the movie Kids. Like oh, at the, be- like the beginning of that. that fucking movie. They're, all they're doing is these two kids making out at the beginning of the movie, and it's the most uncomfortable thing ever to watch. For an adult, especially. Yeah. As, as a child, it's, you're just looking at your friends. But yeah. as a fucking 50-year-old man, I'm like... I don't like looking at Daniel Harris in uh in I don't mm, mm, yeah. you know, whatever whatever even even when she's a little bit older I still remember her in Halloween 4 and it makes yeah. me feel weird. I'm like, "Eh, yeah. Cool. It's very strange." I mean, let's talk if you want to talk about how women are treated in fucking horror films, Rob Zombie movies, they always die and they always die naked. Yeah. But the men are always heroic and bullshit. We can go on about that bull that that fucking thing for a long time. <laughs> There's so many different kind of genres, subgenres. There's the old bitty like the, the Psycho Bitty films, which yeah. is one of the first like female-driven horror films I remember. It was like, um, what's what's the uh, whatever happened to Baby Jane? Or, yeah, uh, yeah, you know that that's a fucking movie. Yeah, that's that's insane to watch that yeah. now. Uh, Mia Farrow in you know uh, the Rosemary's Baby. Uh, what I, I made a whole bunch of like Samantha Egger in The Brood. Holy shit, that's amazing. Oh yeah. Uh, Ready or not, of course. House and Sorority Row, Black Christmas, Ginger Snaps. Uh, Angela Bettis is one of my favorite actors back in the 90s. Girl Interrupted. Huh? May. Oh, I know. Girl Interrupted, May. Uh, She did the Carrie remake, which is actually not as bad as people thought. Remember, I think you should go back and watch it. It was actually intended to be a pilot episode for a television show. So I think once you watch it like that, it definitely helps. Because she lives. She lives at the end of the fucking movie. And the whole point is, like, the movie's kind of told in flashback, but it's it's the same fucking story. Yeah. It's Carrie. Uh, I've got Near Dark, Catherine Big- Bigelow, of course. Uh, she has Catherine yeah. Bigelow has to be like the number one of the whole genre because one, she started out doing you know she did Near Dark and then now she's an Oscar winner with like Zero Dark Thirty and like she's yeah. doing like big movies like Oscar stuff like she's like the Peter Jackson of the female director world to kind of like, yeah that's true I mean that's yeah. a good way to look at it um, how do you feel about whenever it's like well you're doing good as a girl oh they're good as a female that's you know I mean obviously it pisses you off but do you get that we're talking about just slightly as being a reviewer and a critic and having a, a social media status like how much hate mail or bullshit do you get do you, or you get a lot of dick pics from like Ari Lehman <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I've heard about that, but I have not gotten that. Now, have I gotten any, um, do I, I, yeah, do do I get hit on with the, I get a lot of haze. Let me tell you guys, I get a lot, a lot, a lot of haze. Um, and if I do anything where I show any bit of my clavicle, I get a lot more haze during those posts. Like, hey, hey, what's up? Hey, I'm like, yeah, no. Uh, one thing though is... If anyone has ever, I mean, I've had a couple, like, it's mainly been YouTube, not so much on some of the other forms, but I did a review and it was for everything, everywhere, all at once. And I mean, I got a lot 
of positive things. And then there was one person that's like, is it me or I can't stop looking at her forehead? And I'm like, I don't even know what that means, but you know what I can do? Delete it. I don't need, I mean, that's it. And it's also one of the things like, I mean, I will hold my own. Like if you want to question my, you know, critique my opinion, I mean, that it's my critique and my opinion. And I mean, look, I, you know, took some classes in film, you know, took some film classes in college and I've been writing since I was in junior high. I've been doing this for over five years with my site and written for different publications. But yeah, I still get questions like, oh, well, how'd you do this? And like, I'm talented. How the fuck? Do I'm like, oh, sorry. I don't know. Can I curse? I don't know if I can curse the or not. Fuck you can. Um, <laughs> huh? Yes. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm talented. What the fuck can you bring? Um, And it's just one of those things that, yeah, no, I know a lot of female critics that have just been berated for their appearance. And it's like, oh, well, you can't know that. I'm like, what does what does weight have to do with critiquing a film? What does my vagina have to do with critiquing a film? Nothing. I have one. Um, I you know I I um I have my opinions and you know growing up and knowing the life that I've lived and all that stuff. Yes, sometimes that will interject in what I've seen on screen and sometimes you know a personal feeling can come about that, but. I'm also going to look at it from a view that's like from, you know, just an everyday person watching this and critique it for, uh, you know, continuity, uh, performances, cinematography, directing, uh, score, everything. I look at everything when I watch any film. And horror's always been one of my favorite genres. And honestly, it is one of those genres where I've actually been accepted more than any other like i remember even 20 years ago when i was younger um talking to some guys who just completely came down to me it's like what do you know why would you know this i'm like why wouldn't i it's like all right let's bet a thousand dollars i'm like okay it's like, <laughs> oh. you don't have a thousand dollars i'm like i don't need it because i know i'm right <laughs> that's not why you bet it's like you know and that's been something, and I have friends who have seen that happen to me and whatnot, but it's like, uh, yeah, fine. You want to you wanna try me? All right, let's bring it. <laughs> yeah, that's a situation you'd like to see somebody turn the tables and be like, Roger Ebert, you're not hot enough to be a movie critic in this. In this uh, no shit. <laughs> like, like, really? Like, he's the most, like, nobody was going up to Roger Ebert, you know, when he was starting out, like, you're not hot enough to do this, Roger Ebert. No shit. And he did. He he worked in exploitation films and yeah. then turned his back on it anyway. So fuck that guy. He's basically a bridge troll. And so rest in peace. Sorry. No, <laughs> no, no. I mean, it sucks his jaw fell off and he's dead. But like, for him to go from writing exploitation films to being like, uh, Gremlins just sucks. Yeah. It's like, shut the fuck up, dude. Yeah. Like, uh. So. There are so many different kinds of genres we like we talked about. Let's talk about the slasher film. We've talked about a couple of them, but I have this one thing that I actually found and it's actually pretty good. It's a it's um let's see. It, it's a little about going to pieces. I don't know if you've seen that the rise and fall of the slasher film. 
the author, uh, was it Adam Rockoff, states, The slasher film typically involves a killer who stalks and graphically murders a series of victims in a typically random, unprovoked fashion. The victims are usually teenagers or young adults who are separated from mainstream civilization and unable to easily access help, so they're at Target. These films typically typically begin with the murder of a young woman and end with one female survivor who manages to subdue the killer, only to discover that the problem has not been completely solved. That's the slasher movies. Like, yeah. I mean, that's really in depth way to look at it. But you're not yet. You're not. You, he barely mentions the whole like basis of what makes most sl- modern slasher films. It's not a modern slasher film. It's, they're slasher films. Important, and that's the final girl. I mean, you're wearing the shirt. We all love that. Like, I love the fucking movie Final Girls. Um, let's talk about what, how, what, where did that go? How did it come from? People were like, oh, it's about, you know, sexualized. We, kill if you, you get killed if you die, or you, you get killed if you have sex. Yeah. And then now we're actually writing women being stronger, 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 watching that happen. It wasn't just the Jamie Lee Curtis people. It was, it was like by the time you get to 1987 when slasher movies sucked, the final girl was still the main temple of the whole idea. Yeah. There was a, in that same article uh, about the, well, the woman coined the term final girl, Carol Clover. She brings up another like side of that where they say she said the final girl on the other hand is masculinized, the masculinized and desexualized, and this allows her to survive often only with the help of a stronger man and the older ah. movies. So she turns it around the other way, where men are writing it as if, well, there's no way somebody that you're sexually attracted to could be the savior of this whole story. It has to take all that away from him, you know, make him. More manly, and they're not going to have sex, and they're going to save the day because there's no way somebody that could ever have sex could also save the day. <laughs> yeah, that she wrote a book called "Men, Women, and Chainsaws." Is that yeah. the one you're talking yeah, yeah, about? Yeah, same one. Okay, yeah. yeah, that's a great book, actually. Um, have you read that book? I have not read that book, but I need to because yeah. I always love the fact that it's like you know the finer girl can't have sex because a sin can't can't kill a sin. It's like you already have someone killing people, so someone can't, you know, be, um, you know, having premarital sex because that would be a sin. So you need to have, you know, that vessel version that comes along, you know, obviously it can't be too, there can't be too much um, water. They can't be taking showers. They can't be doing this. Cause like, <laughs> no, 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 we cannot see, you know, just just barely a frame, maybe a little bit of a curve, but not too much, not too much. Cause we have to have, you know, this, you have the, like the vessel virgin or you have that kind of mother complex that I've noticed like with alien and uh, Sarah Connor in the Terminator and whatnot. It's like, you have to have the girl that's like, you know, especially in Terminator two, cause then she's the power uh, and well, forget me and God, uh, Linda Hamilton's arms in Terminator 2. It's like, my God, that... Yeah, take that, Schwarzenegger. She's more buff than you are. <laughs> Dude, she looked amazing in that film. Cocking that fucking shotgun with one hand. I was, I just loved it. I love that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Lim- Linda ha- Hamilton is... Uh, she was my go-to back then. I got, we, I, I got to meet her at a, at a horror at a horror hound, and the girl I was dating at the time was making out with her by the pool, and I was like, I win! I win! Because technically I'm going to kiss you later. <laughs> it's great though um when, when you met horror stars uh in person who was your favorite when it comes to females when it comes to females uh i loved 
Cheryl Lee. Cheryl Lee. Yeah. From Twin Peaks. What am I saying? Is that am I saying that right? Yeah, you're Cheryl right. Lee from Twin Peaks. Yeah, Why from Twin Peaks. Thinking? Um, I loved Jennifer Rubin. Like she's just fun. She's just great. Uh, Jenna Elfman was amazing. Well, here's the thing. I mean, Jenna guys, That's if awesome. you guys don't know this, I can take one hell of a selfie. So when I'm taking my, I selfies, do know. Yeah, you do know. You've seen my selfies. I'm I'm a master. I've been in one. When I take my selfies, and then some of the and the stars see that because it's like I do not trust people. I'm if I'm you know we know this. You have to check out some dough to like take these pictures and whatnot. I don't want to trust people with my phone. I want to see what I look like. I want to make sure I look good. And the other thing is I want to make sure that other person looks good. And when I take those pictures, I've had that. It's like I can end up, you know, taking a picture and they're like, wait, oh, my God, that's amazing. And I'm like, oh, you want me to take another one? I'm like, sure, I could take another one. And it's like, take another one. I'm like, this is the best picture I've ever taken. I'm like, let's do another <laughs> one. I'm like, thanks. I just took three pictures. You're welcome. <laughs> No shit. Glamour shot. Use that on your headshot next yeah. time. Yeah. It's like, I mean, you got to know your angles. You got to know your person. You got just got to uh, be able to talk. I mean, we all know when you're there and these people have a line and sometimes they talk and that's great and that's amazing because that's what you want, but not when you're in the back of the line. That's not necessarily what you want. Yeah. It's like, I'm great. I'm so happy you've got that 10 minutes with that person. The thing is, there's 50 people in line in front of me. So that means I'm going to be here all day and my back's going to kill me. Uh, it's like, oh. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it's honestly every woman that I've ever met at any convention has honestly been freaking amazing. Uh, Kathleen Turner, outstanding. Like oh, wow. what a woman. Like, I mean, she was, and I told her this, she was the first woman that I saw in a rated R movie. And she was like, well, and that was my first woman. My that was her very first movie. So there you go. <laughs> Which one was that? Uh, Body Heat. Oh, yeah. Ooh, steamy. Yeah. yeah. You didn't bring up Serial Mom? Come on now. <laughs> oh. That was my. I mean, I mean, she was amazing in Serial Mom. It's like, I mean, come on. Who else can say Pussy Willow the way she can say it? Like, oh, yeah. pussy, pussy, Pussy Willow, Pussy, Pussy, Pussy. pussy. <laughs> White shoes. Yeah. <laughs> she was fantastic. But yeah, I mean, and being in a film myself, and I can't really say if I'm the final girl or not, because I would kind of spoil it. But, you know, maybe we have a little bit of a uh, something in common with some of these ladies. So there you go. <laughs> but Dee Wallace, Dee Wallace is a queen. She is a class act. She's absolutely amazing. I love, I've seen her a couple times and every time anything that something um, that her daughter is doing or something that she is a, uh, D is a sponsor for or want, you know, a charity, she always makes sure that she talks about that. And then she allows you to just talk to her about so many things. Cause I mean, give me a right. I mean, between her and Diane Weist, like those were my, Oh my moms. God. Oh yeah. Those were my moms in the eighties. Like, honestly, it's like, come on, name an eighties film that, I mean, almost like those two were the like the main ones and like, you know, quintessential films like horror or not. And but D was like, yeah, the number one in uh, uh, my genre, my genre yeah. mom. She was an E.T., which for me was like, 
I watched E.T. like a hundred times as a kid. <laughs> so well, she was the mom in E.T. And I'm like, ah, I saw, she was at Scarefest. We were walking around. I was like, ah, there's E.T.'s mom over there. <laughs> right. And Oh, my God. See, for me, it was Cujo again. Yeah. Uh, the Howling. I mean, E.T. Is, is on that list, but yeah. I was not the biggest, like, E.T. fan. I like, Critters, you know, too. Yeah. yeah, Critters. Like, you know, I'm, I was a horror yeah, I was a horror movie kid, yeah. but to see her as always the beautiful, like not necessarily beautiful, but like like in certain movies she's very gorgeous. But like and in, in to watch her go from all those movies and then being like the Lords of Salem, yeah, where you're like, whoa, Et's <laughs> <laughs> e. mom is pissed. <laughs> <laughs> she's the mean one in this group. You got you got Patricia Quinn from a Rocky Horror Picture oh, yeah. Show. Oh my, it's and then she's and then D Wallace is the fucking. She's like, no, get out of the way. <laughs> I still get it. every once every once in a while I'll watch like a newer horror movie and she'll have like a cameo in it. I'm always like, hey, D. Wallace is in the movie. This is gonna be pretty good. She was my favorite character in the Halloween series that Rob Zombie made. Yeah. I was like, that's fucking. She's so good. When she died, I gave a fuck about that movie. All of a sudden, yeah, yeah. Um, I watched House of the Devil the other night and she was in it. House of the Devil, <laughs> As the man. realtor. Yes, all her little bits. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I watched her in Lassie. Remember the TV show Lassie? She was in that. <laughs> <laughs> if there is well, a qu- another class act that I met, uh, Piper Laurie, she was fantastic. Uh, she, I met her in 2016, and this was at Kansas City Crypticon, and I it was the first time I was there, so I decided to like treat myself and do like the dinner with the celebrities and oh. you know whatnot, and you like. Sit next to him, and then she left with the person who was helping her, and she made sure to go around to every single person that was there and said, "Thank you so much for coming." To every single one, and I turned to someone is like, "That is a class act. That is what everyone needs to." I mean, that's. I mean, she just just appreciated everyone for being there, and that's that's something you just don't see. And she was absolutely amazing, Carrie, and in so many other films, too. She was the, uh, I mean, she's the reason I actually like the Argento movie Trauma. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that movie's yeah. not great. There you go. Yeah, she's, she's fantastic. It's, I would, like, if I'm going to say all the women that I've met in horror, uh, I mean, I was going to say Shirley. She is amazing. I got, I got to meet her. Uh, she treated me like I was like, we were like, we knew each other. And yeah. I was like, me? <laughs> How are you doing? Can you sign this? You wrapped in plastic picture. <laughs> um, but um, I was gonna say, and I, I, I people are gonna say I'm biased, but I'm gonna say Lynette Quigley. Uh, I mean, I, I know just because we're friends now. But when I first met her, uh, it wasn't even at a horror convention. It was at like an after party. I mean, it was at a horror convention, but that, that's when I feel like the guests are themselves. It's like when you meet them at the bar or you meet, or even in a fucking uh, an elevator. I was, I shared an elevator with Cassandra Peterson, Elvira. And I was yeah. like, do I talk? <laughs> do I talk? I love you. You know? And th- th- that's the kind of person that I met, but I am going to say Lene Quigley. And every time we see, I, we see each other, it's just like seeing my sister. Um, Ace and I and uh, death metal Dave, we had to go to uh, Scarefest to do some promoting for our next event, which is a, uh, we're bringing Felissa Rose to town to do a double feature and live commentary thing. So we were going there to, to hang out with her for a little bit, but we had to stop by Linnea's table, and she didn't know we were coming. And as soon as she looked up, it was just like she'd seen like her, her brother. 
and her, and she was yeah. just like, "Oh my god, I love you guys." It's like that shit warms my heart. If you could think, and, and it, all that all that weird like young perverted crap that you think about when you see like a, yeah. as far a man or a woman when you see somebody that you're like you you got it heavy for as a child and you see them as an as a as an older person, it's just like it's just gone. It's like wow, this is like it's, it's literally like seeing a family member, and that's that that will never go away. Whenever. We see each other, and and she all even when she had no idea and didn't give a fuck, and she's being swamped by people. She was still nice enough to be like, okay, I have to talk to this next person. But she gave, she made everybody feel special, and it didn't seem like she had her eyebrows stapled up to give everybody a smile. Like it was genuine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's the kind of person that I I love to see behind the scenes, and they're a real person. Yeah. Uh, who's yours? I was gonna say Linnea too, but also uh, you can take it. Whenever Linnea was great, uh, whenever Joe Bob came here, Darcy was with him. Darcy, and she was just pleasant. She she's is. very nice. She, she's, she's really great. She to talk snaps to. out of character, and she's yeah. no longer Darcy. And she's just like, "What's up, man? I'm on my phone. Hang on." And she's like a phone. Like, oh yeah, on her phone constantly. But she just shuts there and like, "That sounds fucking crazy, man." It's like that is awesome. Yeah, yeah, she was great, and she talked to every single person that came through there and was yeah. like, "Hey, how you doing?" They asked me a million questions, like. Like they're just both of them. Yeah, she she was great. Yeah, if you can do that from behind the table, and then you can you're also like almost the same person from you know on the other side. That's the kind of shit I remember. That's I think that's yeah. what fans remember. Um, yeah, that I just love that. Yeah. So let's just end this up real quick, and we'll talk about what something. What do you want to talk about, Katie? Give us uh give us what where you want to end this with. Well, let's. Talk about like all the amazing things that women have done in horror for 2022. Like you've got Mia Goth who has not only just killed it with X, but now with Pearl where she also co-wrote this with Ty West. I mean, as um, you guys were talking about the performances, like she is just on fire and I'm really looking forward to seeing like what she's going to be doing next with Maxine. And I'm excited by it. Yeah, very much so. And then Steve, I know you had been talking about Angela Bettis and one of my favorite performances that she's done recently is in 12 hour shift that was directed by Bria Grant, who, I mean, she's an unstoppable, uh, unstoppable force in genre right now. Like actress, director, producer, writer, there's nothing she cannot do. Like, She's just absolutely incredible. Uh, Chloe Acuno, who did Watcher, one of my favorite films, just I just think is just gorgeous. That's also on Shutter with Michael Monroe, who um, has a performance. It's absolutely amazing. I mean, there's just so many things. Just in 2022 alone, like I think just the first half that I was like, hot damn, thank you. Thank you for finally like putting out these things and like, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Like this, it, they aren't the victims. They aren't just the oh, run, 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 and all that stuff. I mean, it's intelligence. It's working together. It's not. I want to. You know, you did ask me earlier, like, what's a movie that um, I thought made women look badly? I like the film, but something that annoyed me that I think is just a, a just really needs to go away. Uh, Last night in Soho, where there uh, when. Thomas and Mackenzie is at her school and then the girls are kind of like bullies to her. I'm like, are we still doing this? Is this still a thing that you have these women who are like treating other women like this? Like, I, I mean, 
I don't know. I really hope that's not the case. Um, that this is still good, but I just feel like it's like we don't. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see women like working against each other to try to put it down. Like I feel like that's been done. It's you know something that's horrible that I don't want to see. It's like we can all win together, and I feel like film is a representation, and you need to have that. But Mimi Cave, uh, back to the best things in 2022. Again, Mimi Cave that I talked about with Fresh. You guys have to see that. You have to see it. It's really, really good. Like, it's on our list. Honestly, beautiful film. And yeah, there's just so much on Shutter right now. Uh, Alone with you, the stylist. Uh, I know a lot of people that um, were involved with that in Kansas City. Jill um, Gabargazazian. I probably butchered her name. I apologize. You know, that's written, directed by her and so many people in Chicago that I know that worked on that. I may have had a little bit to do, a little help with the extras in Kansas City, <laughs> maybe a little bit. You might see my name in the credits. That's not why I'm saying it. That's not why I'm saying it. Um, but uh, who is it? The girl who plays Claire, and I apologize. My phone is acting up, and I completely <laughs> blank and damn having COVID in my brain. Um, but there's just so many, so many things in 2022 that I think have just been amazing. Uh, I mean, Georgina Chapman in uh, Barbarian. Hello. What a performance. Um, you know, uh, Sosie Bacon, as I said, in Smile. I mean, like, horror's killing it this year. It really, really, really is. And I want this to continue continue doing this i um i was on a panel in july and i was saying that i feel like there's this uh new sub genre that's like just listen to the fucking woman it's like if you guys <laughs> just listen to the woman all of this would have been corrected in the first five minutes we wouldn't be down to you know 89 minutes later but if you just listen to the woman then this would all be done <laughs> but then again if that had happened then we wouldn't have aliens so um, you know, that's always that show. If you listen to the lady with the cat, all this would have been taken care of. <laughs> what were you saying? Oh, I was gonna say, did you uh did you see bodies, bodies, bodies this year? I did see bodies, bodies, bodies. I ca- I like I kinda liked it. I kinda liked it and I kinda didn't like it, but I think I like the monsters are due on Maple Street Twilight Zone kind of vibe of that. <laughs> yes. Uh, One thing that annoyed me about the film though is that and this maybe this is a generational thing, but the fact that a girl who just got out of rehab, who whose friends think that she's kind of a piece of shit, and then automatically starts going through drugs again, she is less ostracized than the girl who it they find out lied about finishing college. Yeah. And I'm like, is this? I don't know if this doesn't say 2022. I don't know what does. I'm like, I'm sorry. Are you guys like really giving this girl a lot of crap because she didn't because she lied about finishing college and not so much to your friend who just got out of rehab? You guys have been like saying how horrible she is, and now she's back to doing drugs. I I don't understand <laughs> this generation. I don't. I'm just aging myself. But I okay. I'm confused. I felt like a real grumpy millennial watching a yeah. bunch of Gen Z kids like just be terrible to each other. And I was like, I was like, ah, man, I just, it was like, ah, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm too old for this movie. It's not for my, <laughs> I'm an elder millennial now. <laughs> well, speaking of generations, speaking of years and 
speaking of 2022, one of the reasons I definitely wanted to make this episode happen, and I'm going to do a series of that. I'd like to do uh, gays and horror. I'd like to do trans and horror. I'd like to do POCs and horror. Um, and I have guests for all of those, too. But it's because of the election year that's going on right now, as of today. Yeah. And Woo! I'm glad that you came on this fucking day. Um, because it's fucking important. Like, it, people are, are trying desperately to put us back in the fucking Stone Age. Um, and not let's forget that, you know, you can't forget, but like, we're not talking about just fascism. We're talking about just rights of women, period. And it's, it's a fucking, it's like, it's like the war on Christmas is like, motherfucker, there's <laughs> nobody gives, this is not about religion. Yeah. This is about just living your life. And I just wanted to thank you for coming on. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. I hope to see you soon. Uh, I haven't seen you in, I guess before COVID really. I mean, I think we were in the same convention that we, maybe we crossed paths. We cross paths at Horror Hound. Yes, thank you guys for letting allowing me to speak and to read, you know, out loud during this um, these times. Because I mean, who knows how much longer I have until I'm not allowed to read anymore? <laughs> God damn, yeah. I yeah. mean, that's all we can do is be allies and uh, and and shut the fuck up when we need to. Talking about uh, Ace and I. Uh, oh I mean, yeah, it's not it's not our time to have a voice. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to thank you for coming on. Uh, if you want to go ahead and plug whatever the hell, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and I'm trying to get my site back up. Uh, that had a little bit of a quirk, but it's the blonde in front on everything. The blonde in front. B L O N D E, but there's a D in front of it. So the blonde in front. Uh, yeah, find me everywhere. My reviews, my, uh, you know, all my posts that I do at different events and go out there and go experience it. You know, go, uh, go to the theater, go to these events, you know, make sure you feel that energy out in the crowd. But yeah, I will be on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and on my site. She'll be the blonde in front. Thank yeah. you for coming on. Also, I wanted to tell you. I wanted to tell you too. Also, love that uh, we're still here poster in the background. I, I love that movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on. Actually, five years ago, I met that. I it came up in my um, memories. I met the director at Cinepocalypse yeah. in Chicago. I mean, it, today, five years ago. So that's it's just so crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, thank you for coming on. Love you. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, Sweet. it was great. <laughs> <laughs>